You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So we're going to talk about service as a place of humility. And um, we're going to talk about what does God think about serving? And is it really essential for spiritual growth and why? And I'll tell you this, he gives us instructions all through his word. There's so many examples of being a servant in the Bible. And it was hard, actually, to, to condense it down because there's so many. But I picked my favorite stories out of the Bible. But the greatest example and model that we have is Jesus Christ himself. He gives us a picture and a manual, if you will, of what being a servant looks like. And the first place we're going to go in the Word of God is Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is my favorite part. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Aren't you thankful for that? We wouldn't be here today if God hadn't chosen to come as a servant. Amen? God calls us to be servants, but he himself typified this when he humbled himself and became a man. He didn't come as a prince or a king. He came as a humble servant. What an incredible example of service. Amen? Amen. Serving is humbling. It's a humbling of yourself. Service is a denying of your will and purpose for a greater purpose. And servanthood itself, service, servanthood, serving, they were all together in the dictionary. It's a broad definition, and so I looked it up. And what I found was not a lot of definitions, but rather different aspects or personalities of servanthood. And so that's what I want to try to talk about tonight is the three aspects of service. And they are spiritual service, and these are the definitions that it gave. The first one is spiritual service. It means to obey and worship, to act in conformity to the law of a superior, and treat him with due reverence, to be subservient to and to obey. That's spiritual service. Another definition said this, to deliberately place yourself under another's will. The second one that we're going to talk about is charitable service. This is the voluntary giving of help, generosity, and helpfulness, benevolent goodwill toward or love of humanity. That's charitable service. And the last one we're going to talk about is physical service. To attend at command, to wait on, to perform official, du- official duties. And although they, they are, there's different personalities 
or aspects of service, they are each just as important as the other, and you cannot have one without the other. In our walk with God, there is a common theme, and that is submission and humility. There is no room for pride in serving because you are literally taking self out of it. Amen? Amen. So the first one we're going to talk about tonight is spiritual service. And spiritual service is our direct, this is our direct service to God. This is our, this is a one-way street, our direct service to God. We serve him by obeying his word and literally conforming to his law. We conform to the law of Christ. Romans chapter 12 Verse 1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We exalt God through our actions and our lifestyle. We don't live by our own lusts and desires. When we start doing it our way, we are placing our will above his, and we are stepping out from under the umbrella of submission. And so we are, we're stepping away from the definition of service, especially spiritual service, because we are subservient to a greater authority. Amen? And that is his authority in our life. Our, our little Luca man, he's, he's changed a lot. He's changing every day. It's just crazy to watch him. But in, just probably in the last few days, he's been getting a really strong will. He's watching me. He knows. And we, we're working on it. We're working on it. But so we're trying to conquer that will and not crush that will, but conquer it and but you know what? Every time that we tell him no, there's certain things that he will just do over and over and over and over and over. I don't care how many times we say no. No, no, no. And then he will walk over and whatever he's not supposed to touch, he'll touch it and go, no, no, no. No, no, no. He knows, but he still touches it. <laughs> but we're not, we're not telling him no just to tell him no. But it's for his own good and his own protection. And it's out of love. And so his will has to come under subjection to our will. Not because we're lording over him, but because we love him and we have to protect him from certain things, from dangers in life. Amen? So we serve God by placing our will under his will. We serve God through worship. Amen? A couple of weeks ago, Brother Davis spoke to us about worship. And all throughout the law, uh, if, you, if you look in the Old Testament, all, all throughout the Old Testament law, the sacrifice that they have, had to bring was referred to as a sweet savor. And this is one of the things that God woke me up in the middle of the night and just slapped me upside the head with. The, the sacrifice was, was referred to as a sweet savor. In one example we have is Exodus chapter 29, verse 25. It says, And thou shalt receive them, speaking of the sacrifice, of their hands, and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor before the Lord. 
It is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And this, this phrase, a sweet savor before the Lord, it is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. That's repeated multiple, multiple times throughout the law, that phrase, a sweet savor, and it is a, an offering. And then when we go to the New Testament, we see that same, those same words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved and in them that perish. True worship. Worship is always referred to as a sacrifice. We, we call it a sacrifice of worship or a sacrifice of praise. And it's not a sacrifice in a way that you think, well, we are killing, well, we are, we're denying our flesh, we're killing our flesh, but it's not a drudgery. It's a sacrifice because it's an offering. We are offering our worship to him. And true worship goes up to God as a sweet savor to him. The Bible says that it is a sweet savor to him. And, you know, when you go to a nice restaurant or you sit down at a meal, you if you're like me, you eat with your eyes and your nose first. If somebody puts a plate of food in front of me and it smells good, oh, I can't wait to eat it. I love to eat. I'm a foodie. I like good food. And man, it just looks so good and it smells good. But if someone was to bring me a plate of food, I don't care how good it looks. If it smells terrible, I am not putting it in my mouth. And it's the same way with our worship before God. It doesn't matter how pretty we make it. It's got to be a true worship because only then is he going to accept it. Amen? Because the Bible says that a worship that's not a true worship comes up to him as a stench in his nostril. And I don't ever want my worship to be, a, to be something that turns God away. I want him to be accepting of it. Amen? Uh, it is pleasing. We are literally, when we worship, when we worship, we are literally serving God our praise, ourselves, our will, when we worship. We are literally waiting on him. We are serving it to him, and it is pleasing to God. Lord, let my worship be true. Let it be pure and let it be acceptable. Amen? Is that your prayer? Is that your prayer? Amen. Amen. The next aspect of service that we see is charitable service. And this, this type of service is service that we perform to others. Charity is a form of love through service. I'll say that again. Charity is a form of love through service. It's so important, in fact, that there's a whole chapter in Corinthians about it. And we call it the love chapter. And the love chapter talks about charity, and it is, charity is love, but it's, it's a love that, it's a different kind of love than, like, between a husband and a wife, or it's, it's a love through service is what it is. And there is characteristics of charity. The Bible lists, or the, the chapter lists all these characteristics of charity. It, charity is long-suffering. It is kind. It does not envy there's no pride or arrogance in it. It behaves well. It prefers others. It's pure thinking, loves truth, and lasts forever. That's the characteristics of charity. 
And those are also the characteristics of a servant. Amen? When we serve one another, we are serving God. Amen? Amen. In fact, we cannot serve God and not serve one another. They go together. We serve without expecting anything in return. That's what service is. Service doesn't keep score. Amen? Service doesn't keep score. Several years back, my husband and I had a, someone had given us a video series on marriage, and it was different. It was a husband and wife that were performing skits about marriage, and they were funny, but they also told a truth about marriage. And one of them was the scorekeepers, I think is what it was called, the scorekeepers. And so the husband comes walking in, and the wife is washing dishes, and he says, oh, honey, you're washing dishes. You get five points. And then... And then he says, oh, honey, I'm drying the dishes. I get five points. And, and they start, they have these tally books. And, oh, you forgot to take out the trash. I'm taking away two points. And, and there's this whole, and it's humorous and it's funny, but there's, they carry around these tally books and they keep score. That's not service. Service doesn't keep score because, remember, there's no self involved in service. A successful marriage is a union of two servants putting the other needs over their own. That is what a successful marriage is. And so husbands and wives serve one another. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're not, you don't feel like you're getting served that day. Serve anyway. Because that's what's going to create a successful marriage. My husband serves. He serves our family. He, he serves me. He, he makes me coffee almost every morning. Oh, that is my... Language of love right there. (laughs) We serve one another. Parents, parents exhibit this every day. We serve without asking anything in return. Amen? In fact, can I just brag on my son a minute? He is, y'all, my son is a genius. Luca is a, he's, it's, it's unbelievable how smart he is. Because he can literally be in the other room, okay? He can be in the other room playing with the toy that makes music. And it's loud and he's banging on something. And he knows the second I put a fork of food in my mouth. He's a genius. It's like superpower ability, I'm telling you what. Because he'll come, all of a sudden, come pad, pad, pad down the hall, waddling down the hallway. We'll hear him padding down the hallway and he'll come in and I'm like, looking at him, and he knows, and he'll look at me and go, mmm, mmm, which is Luca language for whatever you have in your mouth, I should have in my mouth too. And so you know what? I do. Oh, baby, come here. You want to bite a mama's food? Because you know what? That's what we do. We serve without asking anything in return. Amen? When we invite someone into our home to fellowship with them or, or we sit around a restaurant table, we are serving through charity. And do you know that it is a spiritual thing? What you are doing is a spiritual act. When you sit and you fellowship with one another, that is a spiritual act. Several months ago or last year, my husband did the series, The Characteristics of the Early Church, and one of them was fellowship. 
And fellowship is, it's when we serve one another, it's we are, cre- we are creating an atmosphere that the Holy Ghost can move in. Amen? And one of the greatest compliments, I feel like one of the greatest compliments you can give someone is to invite them into your home and to serve them a meal. And I heard somebody say one day, well, I, I couldn't ever have you over because I just, my house isn't nice enough. And I said, well, I live in an apartment, so don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. You can serve me popcorn. I don't care. When we bring meals to those that are sick, we're serving through charity. When you send someone a card or a just thinking of you text, you are serving. When you pray and you intercede with people in the altar, you are serving. And these are spiritual acts. These aren't just things that we do to be friendly. These are spiritual acts. We are serving one another. Amen? And that brings me to the greatest physical example of charitable service in the Bible is that of the act of foot washing. Foot washing, you know, is a powerful act of service. When I was, when we were growing up, we, we did foot washing every year. And even as a little girl, it was one of my favorite services to go to. I loved it. Back in the Bible days, it was considered impolite to walk into someone's home with your shoes on that you had been walking in all day, especially back then, because, you know, there was animals probably roaming the streets and all of the dirt and the dust and all of the other stuff that was on your shoes. You would not disrespect someone's home by not washing your feet when you arrived. And so people, when they walked in their home, in someone's home, there was a wash basin, and they would wash their feet. They would take off their shoes and wash their feet before they entered into someone's home. The first mention of someone washing another's feet is we find it in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And I'm not going to read it. It's a long chapter. But this is the story of David and Abigail. And I love this story. It's kind of a tragic story, but the Bible says that Abigail is a woman of good understanding, and she's married to a man named Nabal, and Nabal is an evil man. He is, the Bible says he's churlish. He's evil. He's not very likable. And David is going to be passing through Nabal's land, and he sends greetings of peace to Nabal through his servants and says, you know, I'm not here to harm. We're not, we're, we're not, we're here in peace and asks, and as was the custom then, they would ask if you would spare any food or supplies for my men, me and my men. And Nabal, who clearly doesn't have a servant's heart, he sneers back at the servants, literally sneers at them. And he says, who is David? He could just be a slave that has escaped from his master. That's literally what he says. Why should I take my bread and my meat and give it to a stranger? David, who probably doesn't receive this like he should have, is taken back by this reception and immediately decides to retaliate. He says he's going to kill Nabal and all of his family. Well, you're not going to give me what I want? I'm going to kill you. Well, that's keeping score, and that's not having a servant's heart either. (laughs) But Abigail, in the meantime, she's the righteous one in this story. With all of this she could have done, Abigail decides to serve. 
She doesn't just give them some meat, but she prepares a feast without, literally a feast, without her husband knowing. The Bible says she makes bread and food and corn and meat and fruit and wine, enough for David and all of his men, and she brings it to them, and she pleads with David not to take revenge. David is so taken back by her act of service that he repents of what he was going to do to Nabal. And he says, you know what? I was wrong. No. Nabal, basically, we should feel sorry for him because he's the sad one here. Days later, God smotes Nabal and he dies. That's what God thought of Nabal's unwillingness to serve. So David sends for Abigail and he asks her to be his wife. And this is where we see foot washing for the first time, someone washing another's feet. Having a servant's heart, Abigail is so grateful for this that she says, please just let me wash your servant's feet. What, what an incredible servant's heart she must have had. Another example that we see is the woman with the alabaster box who comes to Jesus. He's in a home of, I'm assuming, people that are pretty important. And... Um, this woman comes in, and without asking, she just walks in and just starts, she kneels down, and she, she's crying and weeping at his feet. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears and dry them off with her hair. And the people that were sitting around were very taken back by it and said, well, who is she that she should come in and, and wash your feet? Who is she? And he says, she loved me enough. When I walked in, you didn't even give me the hospitality to wash my feet. And this woman has come in and done what you were supposed to do. She humbled herself when his own hosts would not. Amen. One of, an example that I always think about, um, and this wasn't necessarily foot washing, but one year at General Conference, um, and mom, you'll probably remember this. Shauna, you might remember this. But um, there was a, a man preaching, and he had such admiration for, Brother Kilgore was on the platform then. And this man that was preaching had such admiration for Brother Kilgore that he went over and he started telling Brother Kilgore, Brother Kilgore, I love you. You have been such an inspiration to me. And, you know, you have helped mold my ministry, and I love you, Brother Kilgore. And this man literally got down at Brother Kilgore's feet. And Brother Kilgore pushed the man up. And Brother Kilgore dropped down to his knees and put his hands around that man's ankle. And the man, it was this, they were going back and forth. And the man said, no, and he got down and, and put, tried to get, until Brother Kilgore was literally laying on his stomach at the man's feet on the platform. Because he had literally humbled himself. And, you know, some people think, well, that's just, you know, they were on the platform at General Conference trying to make a scene. But to my little eyes, I'll never forget it. That was a powerful example of humility. When, when you see um, people bow, like to a king or, a, or someone that's great, they, they would bow. It's, it's a sign of humility saying, you are, you are great. You are greater than me. I'm placing myself under you, under your authority. 
And so when we bow to him, we are literally, or, or serving one another, we are literally bowing before one another in a place of humility. What servants' hearts. Amen. Jesus himself would humble himself and wash his disciples' feet, showing them that he was willing to serve them. Peter, when he first knelt down to, to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, no, Jesus, what are you doing? You, I should be washing your feet. And you know what Jesus said? If you don't let me wash your feet, then you have no part with me. Peter, you've got to learn to be a servant, and I'm teaching you how to be a servant. He humbled himself. When you wash someone's feet, you are placing yourself in a posture of humility, placing someone else's needs above your own and showing them that you are willing to serve them. Listen, foot washing was never meant to be awkward or uncomfortable. And I know we make it that way, but it was never meant to be that way. It is the greatest literal and physical sign of serving through charity. Jesus gave us a command and told us to wash one another's feet. And don't worry, we're not doing foot washing tonight, by the way. But he gave us a command and told us to wash one another's feet. John 13, chapter, John chapter 13, verse 14 says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Listen, he's not speaking abstractly here. He is talking about the literal act of foot washing. And, and one of these days, Pastor and I have talked about it, we are going to have a foot washing service again. And I hope that we as a church would be willing to humble ourselves and serve one another through foot washing. Amen? Amen. And the, the final aspect of service that I want to talk about is physical service. And for this, we go to Matthew chapter 20. This is a story which is, seems absurd to me. This is a story of a woman that brings her two sons to Jesus. She has two sons and asks Jesus that he would grant them to sit, one on his left hand and one on his right hand in his kingdom. That was her, her question to Jesus. And he gives an interesting answer. The disciples, of course, are immediately angered by the question. But you know what? He, he, tells, he tells those two sons, those two men, that he... He says, right now I don't have the authority to do that. But then he turns to his disciples who are angry and says, But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister." And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He gives a picture of the princes of the Gentiles that would, they would use their authority to literally lord over people. They would lord over people and treat people as slaves. 
There is a difference, by the way, between a slave and a servant. Amen? There is a difference, huge difference between a slave and a servant. A servant is someone who does it willingly. And so these, these princes would lord over them. And in the world, that's the world's way. You, in the world, you step on whoever you have to step on to get ahead. I've seen it in the workplace before, and I know you have too. We had a, a place that I used to work. Um, one of our bosses um, found out, they found out that he was embezzling money from the company. And when he was questioned about it, he said, well, I figured it was my money anyway. I was going to take it anyway. And in his mind, you know what? I'm going to step on whoever I have to step on to get ahead. But in God's kingdom, he says that to be great, you must become a servant. In God's kingdom, the way up is down. Amen? This goes against the world's ideals of being great. Some of the greatest people I know are people with servants' hearts. We had a man that, when we were at IBC, there was a man that would work, and I think my husband's told this story here before, but um, a man that would just walk around. He, you always you saw him in work clothes, dirty, because he had been working, unclogging toilets, changing light bulbs, doing whatever had to be done. But what most of the students never knew is that this man, before he retired, was the manager of a major bank. A CEO, sorry. He was the CEO of a major bank, a skyscraper, this major bank. He was, he was the CEO. But here he was, walking around IBC, unclogging toilets, changing light bulbs, because he had a servant's heart, and he just wanted to find a place to serve. Some of the greatest people I know are people that just serve. Amen? Martin Luther King said this, everybody can be great because anyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Amen? Anyone can serve. And that brings me to my next point. Get your family involved. Teach your children how to serve. Teach your children how to serve. Andrew and I would not be here today if our families weren't serving in the church. As a little girl, we went to the church every week, and we cleaned the church. And Shauna and I, my mom would give us our cleaning stuff, and we'd go in, and we'd clean the girls' bathroom. Remember that, Shauna? In Lansing, Michigan. We'd go in. I still remember the way it smelled, the, those, that cleaning closet. <laughs> but we served. My parents have lived a life of service. Andrew's parents have lived a life of service to the Lord. And we would not be here. My husband said it the other night. He, he would not be a pastor today if he had not been taught how to serve. So teach your children how to serve. A pastor's, some of a pastor's favorite words are this. What can I do to get involved? Where can I serve? That is music to his ears right there. <laughs> and to one another. So what are some examples of physical service that we can do? 
Examples are this, those that volunteer their time to clean the church. And Sister Erlene and her team, they work every week cleaning this church and keeping it beautiful. And that is, we love that. Amen. People that take care of the property, the men that mow, the people that take care of the landscaping, our Sunday school teachers. Oh, they're so valuable. Giving of your time and your resources. Those that show up early for music practices or choir practice. Those that stand at the door and greet people. Teaching Bible studies, people that are willing to teach Bible studies. People that are willing to do outreach. Planning events, event planning, organizing fundraisers. This, this may not seem like spiritual stuff, but it is, it is spiritual. This is part of being a servant. Amen? Amen. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. I've heard it said that people who don't serve, well, someone said this to me once, people that don't serve are just coming and reaping the benefits of the church without the work. But you know what? It's the opposite. You cannot fully reap the benefits of the church until you are serving. Amen? Amen. And... Don't let service become a burden. Sometimes service can become a burden. We, the example that we have of this is Mary and Martha. And when Jesus is in their home and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha is running back and forth, doing all this work, trying to serve, and she says, Jesus, don't you know that I'm trying to do all this work and Mary, can't you tell Mary to help me? And Jesus says, but Martha, Mary has chosen that good part. And, you know, sometimes we make Martha out to be a bad guy or bad girl, I should say. But do you know that Jesus actually frequented Mary and Martha's home? He was a regular guest in their home. They, they, they had a close relationship. And so I like to think of it this way. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't say it because that's the only example that we have, but I like to think that maybe Martha took that advice that night and said, you know what? You're right. You're right. It's become a burden, and what I'm doing is I'm burdening myself with all this when really it doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't care if there's dirty dishes in the sink. I'm going to go sit at his feet for a while. I like to think that. When we realize the privilege that it is to serve, then it won't be a drudgery. Amen? A man said this, the happiest people are those who lose themselves in the service of others. And that is the truth. And my prayer is this, that God would please help me to be a servant. I don't ever want to look at it as beneath me, but let's follow Christ's example and serve him, serve one another, and serve the church. Serve God through your lifestyle. Serve him when you're all alone and nobody's watching you. Get your family involved in service. Husbands and wives, make a practice of serving one another. Reach out to other people in the church. If you see somebody that, that well, first of all, if there's someone in the church that you don't know their name, I think tonight would be a great night to introduce yourself to them and to learn their name. Amen? Reach out to other people in the church. Open your home. Have someone over for dinner. It doesn't have to be fancy. Don't feel the pressure. It's all right. 
Find a place to physically serve. I promise that you will be blessed and that God will be pleased. Amen? Amen. Could we, could we bow our heads together right now for a moment? God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity.